This morning, I'm, I'm going to share from the Word, and last week was uh, uh, probably the shortest message of the year. That was my Christmas gift to you, but this one's probably going to be even shorter. I don't know. Um, so some of you are like, what's happening to our pastor? He's been abducted by aliens. Um, but uh, uh, he'll be back next week, I'm sure. Uh, but, um, but I wanted to talk about it. I was, I was really thinking about it, praying about this, coming, this, this message today and the coming year. And, you know, Christmas is over. We focused on that. And, you know, I thought about doing a message about Christmas all year long or giving Christmas gifts 365 days a year, those kind of things. And, but then I thought, you know, I feel like the Lord wants us to think, begin to think about next year. And what can be? Because is it, is it a shock to anybody else or just me that this is the last Sunday of the year? Yeah. I mean, this is it. This is our last chance to gather together on a Sunday morning. We will have Bible study Wednesday night. You can join us then. But, but this is our last Sunday gathering. And, um, and, 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 that, and we're going to be diving into a whole new year. And it's going to go by faster than this year did. Because every year that I live, the older I get, every year goes faster. You know, which, you know, some of you are, are uh, you know, 20, 30 years older than me. I can't imagine how fast it's going by for you now. But, I, but I'm just telling you that uh, as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know what? We can begin to say, well, I want something different. I want something different. And the next thing you know, you wake up and it's the end of the year again. And you're saying, well, I want something different this year. And you wake up and it's gone. And we have, to, we have to think to ourselves, we have to begin to, to ask ourselves, what is God saying to me? What do I need to do? What, how do I need to focus my life in order to have this year be different? Amen? I mean, even if you had a great year, don't you want this year to be different? Don't you want this year to be better? Don't you want to walk closer to Jesus? Don't you want to feel His presence even more? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And and uh, we're going to be sharing a message that, as I said, it's not very long. I do want to say this as I begin. I, I, I need to confess something to you. I have a confession to make. My confession is that I'm a Yankee hater. And when, you, when I say that, I'm not talking about the people who live up north. I'm talking about the baseball team, the Yankees. I, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and in the late 70s and 80s, that's when I really fell in love with baseball and the Royals had, a, had some great teams during those times, but, but it was the Yankees that they were the one team that every year kept my Royals from getting in, into the World Series, and frankly, I've just never really forgiven them for that, and I have to, <laughs> I have to deal with that. I'll, the Lord's working on me on that, and, uh, but, but I've always sort of resented the fact that, that, that they have so much revenue because they're the Yankees and New York and all this stuff that they can just load their team up with superstars and, and make their team a juggernaut. And, and, and there have been years past where they have been so powerful that, that they were just virtually unstoppable. In fact, they, they were so good that they ha they've earned nicknames, things like the Bronx Bombers. I mean, how cool is that when you got a nickname like that for, the, for your team? You're the Bronx Bombers. Or one year back in the late 20s, they had a team that was so good and the, their hitters, the, their lineup was so powerful, they were actually known, the team is known as Murderer's Row because the pitchers, you just didn't stand a chance to get against them. They had, they had Babe Ruth on that team, guys like that. And, and in fact, six players from that starting lineup went on to into the Hall of Fame. They were unstoppable. 
And the truth is, every team wants to reach the place where they are so much better than all of their opponents that they are unstoppable. In fact, I would dare say that even outside of the arena of sports, I think all of us in our lives, most of us would like to reach a place in our lives where we are unstoppable. We want to live in a place where it doesn't matter what stands in our way, it can't stop us. That's where we want to be. And today I want to talk to you about how to become unstoppable. How to become unstoppable. There's really only one way to do that. And to get there, I want to talk very briefly about King David. King David is my favorite Bible character. It's not just because he has such a a wonderful name uh, as David. Um, And of course, you know, that's my name. So that's probably part of it. But when I was a kid, he was my favorite. I love the story of David and Goliath and all of these things. But but when you, and in fact, we did a study of, of the life of David. On, it's on our website. It's not on video, but it's on the audio portion. You can find it, the, uh, the, the, the life of David, a powerful study that we did on that. But King David, his, his life uh, was so rich and so full. He, he accomplished so many things very, very early on in his life. As a young lad, we know from Scripture that he killed a lion and a bear. But, but here's what some of us don't realize. He says that he killed I know for specifically about the lion, it says that he killed the lion with his bare hands. Now that's a pretty good, I've heard some good hunting stories. You know what I'm talking about? But I, I have a pretty good, I, I killed a rabbit with a rock once. Who needs a rifle? I didn't mean to. I was just throwing a rock to scare it off my lawn and it jumped and it, <laughs> he was gone. And I was like, whoa, nobody was there to see it, but. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there's no story, there's no hunting story that can beat David when he said that, a, that a, a lion, you can look this up, you can see this, this is what it says in Scripture, a lion had grabbed hold of one of the lambs, he grabbed the lion by the mane, took the lamb out of the, out of the mouth of the lion, and beat the, the lion to death with his bare hands. And that was not because David was such a powerful young man. It was all because God was with him. He did that. He, he, he killed the giant, Goliath, with nothing more than a sling and a stone. Actually, he, he, did, uh, uh, he, he used the, the giant's sword to cut his head off, but he was dead before he ever cut the head off. He was supernaturally protected from Saul's attacks in the city of, of Naoth. And if, you, you should read those stories. It's really amazing because Paul sent soldiers to, to get David, and he's up in the school of the prophets they show up to, to, to arrest David and take him back. And then they all start prophesying and go back and saying, Saul, I don't know what happened. I don't know. We just were trying to arrest him. Next thing I knew, we were prophesying. So, so eventually Saul goes up himself. <laughs> well, you just need to read the story because he goes up himself and he ends up not arresting David. He ends up prophesying himself. He was supernaturally protected in that place. And by the way, he then went to another place, which makes no sense at all, because he was in the place where the Holy Spirit was protecting him supernaturally. And he said, I got to get out of here. But that's a whole different story. the, The bottom line is he eventually became the most powerful man in all of the of the southern Middle East. The most powerful man. He rose from tending sheep in the fields of Bethlehem to the throne of Israel. And he did all of these things because the Lord was with him. Because God was with him, he was unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. 
Then after he ascended to the throne of Israel, David began to do something in 2 Samuel chapter 8 that is really significant, that it's easy to miss if you're not paying attention. But David began to expand the borders of the nation. He realized that he, that, uh, or excuse me, he decided that he wasn't going to just sit back and wait for his enemies to attack him. He made a choice and said, I'm going to go on the offensive. He, he began a campaign to, to push the enemies of Israel back away from his borders because he knew that, that if this tiny country of Israel remained the size that it was, Israel would forever be fighting defensive wars, that the, that the fight would be way too close to the capital, and that's, that's all they would be doing is trying to defend themselves from all the enemies around them, both militarily and politically. He knew that, they, that, that Israel must expand and he must push the enemies back even further. So he began moving out against all the surrounding nations that had opposed him. Are the Moabites, the Edomites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Amalekites. And since, since David was still surrounded by all these enemies, what David said was, he says, I'm not going to just sit here in Jerusalem and just wait around for them to attack me. I'm going after them. David expanded his borders. And in the middle of all that, the enemy could not stop him. They couldn't stop him no matter how, how hard they tried, no matter how hard they fought. It doesn't matter what they did. They could not stop David from expanding the borders of Israel. And all that to say, to say this, I believe there's some principles there, or at least one principle that I want to bring to your mind that maybe not be, may, be, may not be as obvious to us uh, on the surface, but but I think here's what we understand. Here's what David knew. David knew that if you camp only on what you already have, you'll constantly be on the defensively. If, on the defensive. If you camp only on what you already have, on your past accomplishments, on your past blessings, on all the past things that God has done, on all the things you've loved about the church in the past, if you camp only on those things, you'll always be on the defensive. It's time to press out. It's, begin to, it's time to begin to push the borders and to stretch your tent pegs and to, and to go further than you've ever gone before. Now, now I want to say this. Certainly there are times, well, there needs to be times of, of rest, but there also must be seasons of attack. Pause if you must. Rest if you, if you must. But solidify your gains from time to time as, as you need to. But then when you rest, after that moment, that season of resting, then get up and get back in the fight again. We must always push forward as a church and as individuals because if you're constantly in a defensive posture, you will constantly remain under attack. How many of you know somebody, it's, it seems that they're always talking about how they're under the attack of the enemy. You know anybody like that? That it's always about, oh, the devil's doing this. Enemy's got me down. He's after me. He's doing this, all this stuff. And listen, I'm not questioning whether, they're, whether or not they're under the, under the attack of the enemy. I'm sure that they are because he, he, hates the, he hates all people that are created in the image of God, but he hates those that are followers of Christ even more so. But what I am saying is, instead of sitting around and saying, oh, I'm, I'm under attack, instead of uh, just sitting back and, and, and trying to build a nice little fortress around ourselves, you, you've heard me talk about before about the song, Hold the Fort. If you love that song, then I, I want you to sing it to your, to, to your 
your heart's content. But I also know that I don't believe that's scriptural. I don't think that Jesus said to build a fort and, and hunker down and wait until he comes. That's not what he says at all. So instead of trying to build a nice little fortress around ourselves and just trying to survive the attacks of the enemy, we need to in turn, instead of that, we need to go on the attack. Don't just sit back and say, I'm under attack, I'm under attack. Oh, Jesus, come help me. Jesus, come save me. Instead, say, Lord, by your grace, by your power, if you will fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment, I will take new ground for Jesus. I will go and take ground away from the enemy. I will be used by you. I will do what you call me to do. If you will use me to do that, oh God, then I will trust you to take care of all of this stuff that the devil's throwing at me. This is what I know. Both as a church and as individuals. It is not time to sit back and say, oh, I'm under attack from the enemy. Let me build up my defenses. I believe it is time to put the enemy on the run. It's time to put the enemy on the defensive. How do you remember what, what Jesus said when he said in Matthew 16, 18? This is the main verse for today. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, that last line, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, we've talked about this some before, but I want to bring it to your attention again. We need to remind ourselves when we read that, that gates are not offensive weapons. Gates are not offensive weapons. Gates are designed for defense. Jesus, I believe what he's saying here, in essence, he's saying that we, that as we, as, as the church, as we aggressively attack the kingdom of darkness with the gospel, that the powers of darkness cannot withstand the power of God released through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the rock that he's talking about is that confession of Peter's where he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is our confession of faith. It's the foundation of, of all that we believe to say that Jesus is God, that he came to this earth, that he died in our place. And if we stand in the gospel, if we proclaim the gospel, if we attack the, the kingdom of darkness with the gospel, that the powers of darkness cannot withstand the power of God that is released through the, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. When the church gets up, when the church starts moving under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when you get off of your pew, when you get into the battle for the souls of men and women, when you begin to reach out to people, when you be, begin to be used by God, I'm here to tell you that if you will do that, if you will move forward under the leadership and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, He's saying to us, when you preach the gospel to them, the gates of hell cannot keep the gospel out. Cannot keep the gospel out. The gates of hell are going to lose and the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to win every single time. Now, does that mean that every time you preach the gospel, somebody's going to get saved? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. The devil doesn't want them to even hear the gospel. Once they hear it, they have to make a choice. They can choose 
to remain where they are. They can choose to receive the gift that God is offering to them. But I'm here to tell you that there's no way the devil can stop the, the gospel of Jesus Christ from moving forward. That is the power of the gospel. That's the power of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to expand our borders, to, to say, I'm not satisfied with trying to play defense, but I'm ready to go forward and I'm ready to take this city for God. I'm ready to expand the borders of the kingdom. I'm ready for God to grow me. I'm, I'm not willing to be satisfied sitting still and being comfortable in a church pew. I'm going to be used by Him no matter what and the devil cannot stop me he's saying that the gospel cannot be stopped the gospel cannot be contained darkness cannot drown out light here's the thing have you ever gone into a dark room and flipped that switch and the light came on have you ever seen the darkness begin to fight back that and muffle the light in that light bulb no it's impossible the light always overcomes the darkness Communism could not stop it in the past. Persecution cannot stop it. In fact, persecution historically has caused the gospel to explode in nations. Atheists cannot stop the gospel from moving forward. Government regulations cannot stop it. The devil and all the demons of hell cannot stop it. The gospel will prevail and there's nothing that the devil can do to stop it. Somebody give God praise. Nothing can stop the gospel. In fact, even death can't stop the gospel. Um, many of you know that back, it's actually back in 2018, June of 2018, my, my, the Lord called my dad home. And uh, you, didn't, you never got to meet my dad because it was a few months before we moved here that, that, uh, that he went home to be with Jesus. And, but I, wanted, I, wanted, I want you to know something about my dad. He never stood behind a pulpit. He never preached a sermon. In fact, he was a very quiet man. Especially when he got older in life, he got really hard of hearing. And so he really didn't get into many conversations because he couldn't hear most of the conversation. But he was always a quiet man. He, he never stood behind a pulpit, never preached a sermon. He wasn't some famous, <clears throat> famous evangelist. He never went to a foreign country as a missionary. He wasn't any of those things. But let me tell you a little bit about who he was. He, he was a rock. He was a rock. He was a man who loved Jesus. He was a man who lived out his faith with grace and sincerity. He was a godly husband. And I'm here to testify he was a godly dad. Well, after the Lord <clears throat> called him home, <clears throat> excuse me, I was uh, there at the house. And uh, <clears throat> as we were sitting there, a number of my friends just began to come by the house one by one. Many of them came, had friends from back in high school and, you know, those, those times for many, many years. And many of them had come from broken homes, sometimes even from abusive homes. But I had those, those one after another, particularly, my, I mean, they were, they were all guys because let's just say I was not exactly a looker back in those days. And so, you know, we didn't have girls falling at my feet. <clears throat> Anyway, all my friends, they came by, and, and, and as they sat there, they would come in, and they'd sit in the room, and we'd start talking, and they'd say how sorry they were and all this stuff. And, but then, one after another, they began to tell me how they had learned how to be a man of God from watching my dad, because they didn't have a dad in their home. They learned, <clears throat> they learned how to be a, a godly husband 
from my dad. They were, the most, all of them were married by now, and they said, I know what it means to be a husband. I didn't see that growing up, but I know what it means to be a godly husband because of your dad. Or they said, I watched your dad as he fathered you, and I learned <clears throat> how to be a godly father from your dad. And today, they are still, to this day, living out his legacy. He had no idea the impact. He had no idea what he was doing. He had no clue whatsoever that there were people watching his life, that he was touching them, that he was changing the future, not only for these young men, but for their entire families. And the gospel is still going forward through my, through my dad's life, even though he's gone. Death took him, but death could not stop the gospel from moving forward through my dad. That's the, that's the power of the gospel. It cannot be stopped. Even if you say, but I'm not a preacher, I'm a nobody. I'm here to tell you, God likes, he, he loves using the nobodies more than he loves using the somebodies. Because every time he uses a nobody, everybody around says, that must be God. Because that's a nobody, and I know that's a nobody. So that must be God. But I'm here to tell you as we, as we be prepare to enter in, into a new year, as we approach this new year and we're thinking about all of these things, here's what I want you to think about. If you want to be unstoppable in your life, if you want to be unstoppable, make your life all about the gospel. Make your life all about Jesus. Don't waste your life trying to make money. Don't waste your life chasing fame. Don't waste your life chasing after romance. Don't waste your life chasing after temporary things. Make your life all about Jesus and let Him take care of all of those other things. He'll bring those things into your life that are good for you, things that will help you grow, things that will help you spread His fame, things that will shape you more in his image, which, by the way, things that shape us are not always pleasant things. You know, when he takes the chisel to us, sometimes that's uncomfortable. And he'll bring those things into your life that will bring him glory. Not, your, not for yourself, but for him. If you make your life about the gospel, I'm here to tell you, you cannot be stopped. I'm not saying that nothing bad will happen to you. I'm not saying that that means that you'll never die. I'm just saying to you that that if you make your life about the gospel, you will go forward with Jesus and there's nothing that can stop you from accomplishing His will in your life. And I'm also here to tell you that if we make this church all about the gospel, then we cannot be stopped. I'm here to tell you that. And we got to get this in our minds that this is what this church is all about. That we are about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not about our comfort. We're not about our pleasure. We're not about our, all of our, our, our preferences. We are about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we build this church on the gospel of Jesus Christ, then nothing can stop it. If we build it on a personality, then it, it will die. If we build it on programs, it will die. If we build it on, on ideas, that come from man, it will die. But if it, if it is built on the gospel, it cannot be stopped. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that matters for this church. The color of the carpet 
meaningless. Oh, the churches that have split because somebody chose a color that, that somebody else didn't want. How ridiculous is that? As if God's up in heaven saying, red for the blood of Jesus. I grew up in a church with red carpet. <laughs> uh, don't do that again. <clears throat> the, the style of music we sing, meaningless. The style of preaching from the pulpit, absolutely meaningless. All the silly little controversies we like to pursue in the, in the American church, meaningless. We cannot waste our time while we're here on this earth. We cannot focus focus on anything else. If we want to be a powerful church, if we want to be a spirit-filled church, if we want to be a world-changing church, if we want to be a church that makes a difference, if we want to be a growing church, if we want to be a vibrant church, if we want to be a biblical church, if we want all of these things, then we must be a gospel-centered church and we must be a church with a laser-like focus on the gospel. We must be a church that preaches the gospel. We must be a church that is filled, excuse me, filled with people that live out the gospel. We must be a gospel-centered, spirit-filled, mission-minded, truth-loving, grace-giving, Jesus-loving church. And everything else, everything else is just window dressing and does not matter. So let's be an unstoppable people. Let's be an unstoppable church. Let's build our lives and let's build this church on the one thing that matters. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let that be our goal in the coming year. Would you bow your head together with me? Father, as we come into your presence, Lord, my physical weakness <clears throat> May, may, it would be easy for it to cloud the, 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 the message that you're trying to get across to us. But God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would let this sink in deep into our spirits. That Jesus, as we, as we approach a new year, we would embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would say it's not about <clears throat> just going to church. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about singing the right songs or saying the right things or lifting our hands <clears throat> at the right times in church but it's about spreading the gospel it's about telling people about Jesus it's about letting people know what he's done in our lives because God you've done you've done more than we can even we, if we began to make a list God we'd run out of paper before we'd run out of the blessings of God <clears throat> and God, I just pray that you would help us, Lord God, to make a decision to say, this year, what's going to be different is that it's not going to be about me. This year, what's going to be different is, is that it's not going to be about making money. <clears throat> it's not going to be about accomplishing goals. It's not going to be about doing all the things that I've always said I wanted to do. But this year, God, it's going to be about making Jesus known. This year is going to be about the gospel. It's going to be about telling people what Jesus did because, Lord, 
if that's what we do, then we're unstoppable. If we chase after other things, it's, we're easily stopped then. <clears throat> if we chase after money, we can fail. If we chase after fame, we will fail. But if we chase after you, if we make our lives about the gospel, nothing can stop what you want to do. Even if the devil in all of his demons and all of his strength, even if he rises up against us, your gospel is unstoppable. So let us be a people of the gospel. Let us be a church of the gospel. Lord, I pray that this message would be more than simply inspiring or encouraging. God, let it be life-changing. That as we wake up every day in this coming year, we'd wake up and say, today is a gift to, uh, from God. Today is about the gospel. Today is about the gospel. Today is about the mission of God. Today, I'm going to make Jesus famous. Lord, I pray that as you work in our hearts, that you would have your way. With heads bowed and eyes closed, <clears throat> forgive my voice. Don't listen to my voice. Listen to his spirit. If you'd say, Pastor Dave, I hear what God is saying. And I don't want my life <clears throat> to be about my comfort. I don't want my life to be about my preferences. I don't want my life to be about temporary things. I don't want my life to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you join me in raising your hand and saying, that's what I want. That's what I want. My hand is up. That's what I want. In so many days, in so many ways, I fall short. But that's my goal. That's my New Year's resolution to make my life about the gospel, to build this church on the gospel. Lord, as we come into your presence, you see our, our hands and you see our hearts. And Lord, <clears throat> more than ever before, more than ever before, this nation needs the gospel. <clears throat> more than ever before, this city needs the gospel. God, I pray that you would help us to build our lives on that on the gospel of Jesus Christ that we'd make Jesus known. And as we do that, God, I pray that you would grow this church. I pray that you would grow us up in you. I pray that you would change our focus, the very goals of our lives. And God, I pray that you would make us unstoppable. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Stand together with me. <clears throat> Probably everybody here is trying to been clearing your throat all morning. Just happens once in a while. It just is what it is. But I want to pray over you. We'll, then we'll head out. But let's just make our lives about Jesus today. You know, don't get caught up in saying, <clears throat> well, next year it'll be this. Just say, Today, it'll be this. And then when you wake up tomorrow, say, today, it'll be about the gospel. And then you wake up the next day, say, today, it is about the gospel. 
That's how your life has changed. That's how you change a family. It's how you change a neighborhood. It's how you change a nation. It's how you change a church. Every day, one day at a time, saying today, I'm going to make Jesus known to somebody. And you don't have to have all the answers. You know, that's the thing. When you're telling people about Jesus, they always want to change the subject. Well, what about so-and-so? You don't have to have the answers for that. You know, that's, that's what the woman at the well did with Jesus. She said, I can see that you are the Messiah, that you are truly a prophet. You're a prophet. You're really from God. So tell me, should we be worshiping in Jerusalem like the Jews say? Or should we be worshiping on Mount Gerizim like, like the Samaritans say? And Jesus, she was trying to get off on all these religious issues. And Jesus brought her back and said, hey, this is about you and, and, and the Father. This is about your relationship with God. So when they come and they say, well, what about this? What about dinosaurs? <laughs> what about, the, how could a loving God? Listen, it's okay to say, listen, I don't have answers to all of your, all your questions. I'd be happy to do some research. I'd love to, you to talk about it. Maybe, maybe somebody can, that, that knows more can talk to you about it. But here's all I know. We're like the, the man who was born blind that Jesus healed. The Pharisees called in before them and, he's, and they said, tell us who healed you. And, uh, and they said, they actually asked him, is this, is he from God? And the, he looked at the Pharisees and said, you're the experts, so how should I know? He said, I don't know the answers to all your questions. But he said, this is what I do know. I was blind, now I see. That's all I know. So when you begin to tell people about Jesus and they say, well, what about this? What about that? You say, listen, I don't know. I'm not the expert. I don't have answers to all those things. Here's what I do know. This is what I was before. And this is what I am now. I once was blind. Now I can see. I once was dead. Now I'm alive. I once was depressed. And now I live with joy. I once had no hope. And now I've got a hope that's going to last forever. That's what we tell them about Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. Just tell him what he's done in your life. And you will make a difference. And this will be the, a year of unprecedented growth in your life personally. But it will also be a year of unprecedented, unprecedented growth in our church. Because as every one of us gets involved in the gospel. See, the gospel was never intended just to have people come into a church and have one guy preach it. It's not that that's wrong. But that's just one little part of it. The gospel was intended for the people of God to be missionaries. So that's my challenge to you. As you approach the coming year, begin to pray. Some of us need to say, God, give me boldness. Give me boldness just to say one thing. God, give me wisdom to know what to say. And then on the heels of wisdom, I always pray, after I pray for wisdom, I always pray for courage because once I know what I need to do, I need the courage to do it. And begin to say, God, open doors. Give me the chance to tell somebody. Somebody will come to you and say, man, I just lost somebody I love. I'm really hurting. And you'll be able to say, listen, I, I walked through that not too long ago with, some, with someone I lost, but here's how Jesus helped me. He's there for you. 
Or somebody comes and says, man, I, my body is just in such bad shape. You're able to say, let me tell you about how, how I walked through something similar. And, and I met somebody, I know somebody who healed me. Ask him to open doors. Ask him to give you boldness and courage. And then just leave it to him. You can't change anybody. How many of you have learned that? How many of you are married? How many of you are married? Okay, then you've learned that. If you haven't learned that, then you've got a hard head. <laughs> you can't change anybody, can you? You can't do the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't. That has to be, you have to leave that in His hands. What, what I learned a long time ago is that when I try to do the work of the Holy Spirit, people get mad. But when the Holy Spirit does the work of the Holy Spirit, people get saved. So let's share Jesus with boldness and with courage and then leave it, in, leave it in the hands of the Lord. The Holy Spirit can take that seed that's planted and nurture it and water it. And one day, we pray that it will give birth, a new life will sprout and a new person will be, will be created. Amen. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you for bringing us together today. I thank you, Lord God, <clears throat> that you have great plans for our lives. You have great plans for this church, that you have, not, you have not washed your hands of us. You have not said, that's enough. I've done enough there, but there's something more you want to do. But God, we also know it's up to us to focus on the things that really matter. And what really matters to you is the gospel. It's the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that, that payment that was made for our sins and for the sins of the world, that you've called us to make his love known. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us that kind of boldness and courage to be able to speak out, not, not in arrogance, but just with a confidence, knowing that you've changed our lives, knowing how you've helped us through, how you've carried us through moments in, life, in our lives that were more than we could bear on our own. And I pray, God, that our sincere faith would touch the lives of people around us. And God, that they would begin to, to, to have a hunger for the eternal reality that is you, that they see in us. Because God, we know that you planted eternity in the hearts of men and there's, there's nothing temporary that can fill, that, can fill that, that place in our heart that is shaped for eternity and God there are people around us that are trying to fill it with all kinds of things whether it's drugs or alcohol or sex or money or fame or material goods Lord I pray you'd help us to give them a glimpse of that eternal hope and as they see it God then that hunger would, would bloom inside of them and that they would have a longing to meet you. We offer ourselves to you, God. I pray that this week that you would help us to walk in your favor. Let your hand rest upon your people. Give us opportunities to tell people about Jesus with boldness and with courage, but not with arrogance, but with confidence, knowing that the gospel cannot be stopped. And we pray all of this in the strong, strong name of Jesus. Amen.